0: The Agora Podcast is covered by a BIPCOT no-gov license. Use and Reuse is free and encouraged by anyone except governments or their agents. Find out more at BIPCOT.org. There's
1: a time
0: when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part! You can't even passively take part! And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop.
1: You were born free, you got fucked out of half of it, and you wave a flag celebrating. (laughs) Central authority has just embedded right in it Uh, its own problem, and
2: that is that it means a few people make decisions for many people.
0: will be prevented from working at all! All right, guys, welcome back to the Agora Podcast. My name is Penguin, and as usual it's your home for agorism, uh, radical decentralization, localism, and anti-authoritarian concepts. Um, Today we have a very special guest. Might as well just uh, launch right into that. Let's say, do you have any uh, announcements for the show?
3: Uh no, no new um, announcements. Just go ahead and um introduce the guests if you want. Have that. Okay. Um today we've got control pew on. Uh control Pew is a YouTuber, uh Twitter Twitter shit poster and also uh a 3D printer, um aficionado. Um we got him on today to talk about three D printing guns and you know related topics. Um, Pew,
1: welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's been I forgot when we scheduled this, but it feels like it's been a minute.
3: <laughs> it was yeah. A while thank ago, you
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I've been very excited, man. It's you're uh, you're pretty. Uh, I was surprised to get you on. Like I'm not that that familiar with um, you know your on oh, not your media presence and everything, but like uh, this guy's like a, a serious podcast guest. So, yeah. really happy to have you on.
1: I'm ge- generally down for whatever. <laughs> it's always fun. It's always fun to talk about guns, for sure. Uh, so, uh,
3: to, um, give yourself a, a little introduction. Like, who are you? How did you get to into this? And, um, you know, what are, what are your politics surrounding this? That kind of thing.
1: Right on. So uh, I'm, I, I've been in the sort of tech space forever. Uh, I paid attention to 3D printing in the very beginning, um, built my own 3D printers before you could buy them kind of a deal. And I thought, wow, that's really neat and cool. And I like it. And uh, at the time, I was also in the military and I was playing with a lot of guns. I was the armor for my unit. So I got all of the guns and uh got got to get got to learn very like intimately about how they work as like oh hey this is really cool um and i like it and so then you know later on i see you know cody uh, cody wilson liberator i thought wow that's cool too i can take these two things that i'm really excited about and like fist fuck them together and uh and and score guns out and that's you know so i, I thought it was cool i thought it was interesting and i just kind of ran with it i found Foscat online got involved with the Terrorist Dispense really early on, and uh, that's sort of been uh, been, been sort of history from there. Um, but yeah, I just always liked the concept of uh, of, of, of 3D printing and then firearms and being able to sort of generate the stuff yourself. Um, you know, being able to take a, a, a hyper complicated design and uh, sort of distill it down to its essential parts and then squirt it out of this uh the this construct from china or wherever and you know make a gun in your living room. So why don't you tell us
3: a little bit about um deterrence dispensed, uh in case anybody is not familiar with that.
1: Yeah so deterrence dispense was sort of the group that uh that formed around the the FGC nine and getting its development done. Um and for those who don't know the FGC nine is a firearm that's meant to be very easy to manufacture um just from like all the base components up uh in uh, a small house or an apartment or uh you know a garage uh with very basic tools a lot of you know just just hand tools basically things you can get anywhere in the world parts you can get any anywhere in the world um for not a lot of money and uh the, the, the lead on it was a guy named Jay Stark who, uh, you know, his, his passion was that anyone anywhere who wanted arms should be able to have them. And so that, that was sort of the motivation behind this design and uh, behind the way that it was constructed and the, the materials that are in it, um, you know, constructed anywhere in the world with uh, with any level of technology available as long as you can have like a 3d printer so
3: well that leads me right into a question from one of uh a friend of the show and he wanted me to ask you if he if you thought jay stark was murdered
1: uh no i it it was this is i i'm trying not to like get into the details on it because he was you know a, a friend and and um someone you know very close but i it, it wasn't murder i don't think there was no state like involvement beyond um you know the the raid and the warrant so um it, it it's not like it is suspicious on the timing but i it's not i can say with 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 a, a great amount of that there wasn't foul play Okay, fair enough. Um,
0: Penguin, did you have a question? Well, I think we should just lead in. Um, I know a lot of our listeners in the U.S., some are not. Some of our U.S. listeners might be more familiar with firearms. Um, I think a lot of the listeners are. Um, But for me, uh, I am absolutely clueless about um, 3D printing in general. Like, I I actually get – I could fake it. I, I get that you're, you're putting in, like, a filament and in, in building the 3D structures on a little machine that, like, cooks it up. But um, so that leads to, honestly, more questions than answers. So maybe you can give us a brief tutorial about actually how you uh, make stuff with those contraptions.
1: Yeah, so 3D printing, uh, you, you generally take a, a file called an STL. It's just a a, gener- a generic 3D model of a thing. And you put it into a program called the slicer and the slicer will do exactly what it says. It takes, you know, you, you orient your part in the the program and then you hit slice and it cuts that file, that object into layers. So you think exactly like a a stack of papers, right? Each paper is a layer and each layer has a two dimensional drawing on it of the profile of that part. Right. And so as you stack these sheets of paper on top of each other, um, you know, if you could look at just what you drew, you would have the part in there. And so it's going to do exactly that. When you take that, that, it, or, okay. So you save the slice file to your, your thumb drive or your memory card, go, you put that in your printer, you hit prints and the, the print head, the, the thing that heats up the, the filament and squirts it out is going to draw each layer of that, the file that you put in there, um, until you, you know, get your finished part. I feel like that probably wasn't a great explanation.
0: No, <laughs> no, uh, fair enough. So that, yeah, it's definitely um, computer controlled. And I guess you can, you can see how it kind of um, will kind of go back and forth, just like a printer does, but in 3D, which is exactly what it's called. Right. So that gives us a basic, unless you have one in front of you, I think that gives you us a basic rundown of yeah. how they work um how did you so when this technology came out i don't remember i remember when but i don't remember exactly i can't place the uh year when it came out um when you first started hearing about 3d printing and then you know it kind of took off exponentially for a while when, when that technology really started to mature but when did you get into it and when did you decide that guns might be an interesting thing to uh print
1: yeah so 20 uh i think 2011 was when I really started looking at it like I had seen some of the earlier prototypes come out. Uh, but that was when like the RepRap project was big and so you bought some uh so, some random metal parts uh off eBay and you found someone, you know, through through the magic of the internet in the early 2010s and 11s uh you found someone else online who had the the who had already d- built a 3D printer and then you bought all the printable parts from them and then you had these you know these two bags of parts and you spent four or five days trying to figure out how to assemble it uh, and then you would spend another week trying to figure out how to uh how to put the uh the 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 code that drives all the, all the the circuit boards and everything, how to how to put that code on those circuit boards, and then you'd spend another week trying to figure out how to uh, adjust the code that's on the board so that your printer does what it's supposed to do. Um. So yeah, that that was about the time that I got in, that I started getting involved in all this when it was very. So this very, is
0: very. Yeah, this is very bleeding edge. It sounds like this
1: is right. Uh, well, once a time. Right. <laughs> Um, but now 10 years later, I mean, you can just order these machines off, off Aliexpress or Amazon direct ship from wherever to your door in like a couple days. So it's, uh, it's great to see that, you know, I can't imagine how many fewer people would be involved in this if we were still at that level of technology where we had to like spend three months figuring out how to get the printer to work, um, but yeah so that that's when i was started getting involved in 3d printing and then I sort of you know I built the printer and then I sort of stopped looking at it for a while um because you know i had, I had done the thing and uh and then it was really the firearms that brought me back into it uh sort of full spe- full steam uh um you know trying to to move move the technology forward so
2: Hello, um, my name is Erica, and I'm the Earth Nerd Anarchist on Twitter. Um, so I wanted to come on here and let everybody know I'm going to be raising money to get my teeth fixed. As you can see, they're pretty bad. They're in pretty rough shape. Um, it's my la- At my last uh, checkup, they said that it was considered a medical emergency because I can barely chew. Um, so I'm basically raising money to get implants. Ventures, And, uh, <clears throat> the way that I'm doing that is I'm going to be selling my art on my Instagram account. It's Instagram.com slash E P A Y N E underscore art. And, uh, so it, you can do it. You can contribute to the cause that way. If you'd like to, if you want a piece of art of mine, um, or also, uh, if you if you're not necessarily interested in a piece of art, but you still want to contribute to the cause, you can do that too. I can forward my PayPal link. Um, I also have content up on YouTube and on TikTok that under the same the Earth Nerd Anarchist username. Um, but if anybody wants to help with that, that would be amazing. I would I'd be eternally grateful for your help and um, getting this done because it's, it's getting hard to chew at this point. So, um, but I'll have full transparency for anyone who contributes, you know, with appointments and things like that. So um, thank you for listening to me talk about it.
3: <laughs> so where do you see this in the uh, 3D printing in the grand scheme of, um of society and uh, the future going forward. Um, Like I have a a question from one of our listeners, uh, Greg Dowd from Makers and uh, Meadows podcast. And he says, uh, his question is, do you see this as, uh, what is it? What does it mean to him to see folks being able to reliably build these? And does he believe that we have now reached a point where the means of creating a home-built firearm cannot be suppressed by any government. Basically, does he foresee an exponential production co- capability for humans to disobey governments worldwide and bring weapon proliferation to the point where there'll be a gun behind every blade of grass on the planet? So that's kind of where I was going with that, is um, where, where do you see this in the relationship between humans and governments?
1: Well, I think this will enable the people who don't necessarily enjoy their governments uh, to sort of equalize their, their, let's um, say equal it, it's, it's. Hmm. I'm just trying to put it into words that make sense. <laughs> we, we come with the hard questions here, right? Guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think it will allow people to more equalize that use of force between the people and their government. It, It allows people to resist that, uh, better. Um, that being said, I don't think the armaments have ever really been the problem. I think it's been the will of the people. Um, you see in a lot of different places where people will band together and stand against their governments, even without, without a force of arms. So, um, you know, affor- I think it's going to become less expensive to, uh, to stand against uh, uh, an oppressive government. Um, I think in, in cost of, of material and, and lives, um, I think it's going to be less expensive the more and more uh, advanced that we get in the DIY firearm space.
0: OK, so um, as most people know, um, <laughs> well, firearms have several different parts and some, of course, lend themselves uh, more to um, 3D printing and, and manufacturing out of um, these kind of like plastic materials than other. And then, of course, there's all, all sorts of other DIY solutions to the hard stuff. But you have things like um, barrels and uh, other maybe other... Uh, Parts that uh, kind of contain large amounts of pressure that are maybe a little more difficult to, um, to produce uh, using mm-hmm. 3D printing technology. And then, uh, of course, you can kind of modify your designs if you're, if you can make your own designs out of scratch, you can kind of modify your designs out of that. So I, I have a feeling that's a, a large part of it, but um, yeah. What, where did you start with the uh, printing and what, where, how have you kind of moved towards uh, fully 3d, 3d printable or, in, or DIY creation firearms?
1: Right. Well, addressing your first point there, the, uh, the, the, the bolt, the barrels, chambers, um these are for for modern calibers they're going to have to be made out of metal um to some degree now what what we the the, the uh the process that was used in the FTC9 was like how can we make these metal parts as simple as possible to fabricate so what you took got with the bolt was you know two pieces of round stock that you would weld together then you would drill a hole through it for your firing pin um And then the barrel was really only achievable because it's, uh, um, you know, because of uh, the advancements that we did with ECM, um, electrochemical machining. Uh, So you can take a, basically, uh, it's a seamless pipe um, that you can order online and then you, you know, stick a, uh, a rod down it and basically... Uh, zap away the 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 interior the interior diameter of that pipe until it comes the right size for the bore then you put another one another uh rod in there with a with a, a sort of plastic shroud around it to uh to cut your chamber to a, a slightly wider um, dimension and then you put a third one down there uh a, a third sort of electro down there that would cut your rifling for you so it was uh you know that advancement really let us process the barrel, but there have been other advancements with like somebody strapped a TIG torch to a 3D printer, uh, and they managed to 3D print some metal with that. So there are people playing with that technology. Um, so where you just get you know your your basically whatever material your TIG wire was made out of uh, to uh, you know to become your your barrel. Um, so there are people playing with that technology, playing with these ideas. Um, so as we move forward, we'll get better and better results. But right now, it's the 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 major sort of direction right now is how do we simplify these metal parts as much as possible so that you can do them easily by hand, and then how do we make, you know, the complex parts that are plastic durable enough to withstand the operational forces of a firearm.
0: Okay, and I know that um, the FGC nine was definitely a, a game changer, um, and I think it is sort of along the lines. Although I don't, I don't think it's capable of. of well, I don't, I don't know how exactly it operates, but um, it's sort of along the lines of a submachine gun, and that's a design of firearm that's pretty. Um, I don't know. It lends itself towards kind of either DIY or very um, highly simplistic. Design and ease of manufacture, I think um, mm-hmm. you could say. So, is is that kind of? I'm, I'm f- have a feeling you achieved a lot by kind of designing a gun around the ability to 3D print it easily instead of trying to replicate, you know, existing designs.
1: Right. And, and there is a space for, like, existing designs, too. So there are, you know, the Glock frames that, we, that have been done are are wildly popular um, with a lot of people. But the unfortunate part of that is it's really only the U.S. market that can do that. Anyone else in any other country can't get the parts uh, to complete it. So there, there's not much there for them. Um, it really becomes like the FGC9 is that that sort of bridge to go from, you know, from places like the US where it's entirely legal to make your own firearm to, you know, places like Brazil, where it's wildly not, or uh, Myanmar, or, you know, anywhere else in the world. So it's, uh, it's, it's uh, just, a, it's another type of firearm that that's even, or that that's, basically, it lowers the bar to entry to obtaining a firearm if you're, if you feel that you're one of the people who need one.
0: Yeah. Now, of course, firearms are only useful if they have uh, ammunition. You know, they're able to be fired out of it. Um, so, what um, has anybody looked into doing anything as far as that, or is that really kind of outside the scope of what
1: the DIY community could do? No, it's uh, it's entirely within the scope. We've had some fairly su- successful projects along those lines. Um, the problem with making any kind of explosive. Is being able to do it in the right quantity safely enough that you don't burn down your house. Um, so that's that's really been like the focus. We've people we've had people successfully make um, you know three D print or not three D printable powders, but DIY powders um, for firearm use, DIY primers, uh, DIY smokeless powder even, um, but the problem is always, how do we how do we generate the documentation to make this so that someone with no experience making explosives can do this at home? And so that's sort of where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think um, having
0: experienced uh, kind of a slew of ammunition shortages in the US in a country where firearms are, are, are fairly popular and widespread and there's a high demand for, um, for ammunition, and, and seeing um, various supply chain crunches, that kind of uh, really shot the price up of um, of popular calibers. Popular calibers, um, and I believe, if I'm not hold on one second. <laughs> It's noisy out there. Okay. I believe that a uh, big part of that supply chain crunch was a um, primer shortage, and it's really just not something that could easily be tooled up and tooled down. This is like I guess just nature of the industry. Is that something um, given that there is a a big community of reloaders and stuff out there already? Is that something that, that could be addressed if the you know safety concerns could be um, kind of managed? We've definitely talked about um, chemi- chemistry and chemicals before. Uh, quite a bit on here before we even had a 3D printing person on, just oddly enough. Right. Um, and uh, but I don't know if we specifically went into explosives. And explosives, not only are, are there, you know, legal issues and other issues, they can actually just straight up kill you. They're they're highly dangerous. So I mean, certainly is a concern there.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know that it would ever be. Like for, for reloaders, right? If you're going to reload your own ammo, if you n- understand what you're doing, then you could probably utilize this to make, you know, priming compound and powder for your reloads. Um again, the problem there comes in like consistency and you know uh general safety. Because I think something that I learned when I was starting to look into this was every time there's some disaster at an ammunition plant, it always starts in their primer facility. So wherever they're making primers, because I guess the compound is just that volatile, um, you know. It, 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 so it's a it's a huge uh, safety problem for, for yeah. people. So well, it's, it's the thing that's meant to go off when
0: it gets right it hit or, or poked. So it's unlike the uh, powder, which I guess is a little bit more stable. Right, it needs the primer to actually go off. Uh, but I did not know that. But yeah, it, it, do you it, do you know if that was uh, part of what? may have happened or why
1: there was a massive primer shortage because again no, I, I think the the primer shortage just there was suddenly a huge demand on ammunition um and so they tried to make more uh more they tried to make more uh or so there was a, a supply there the the demand went up on the consumer end and so the suppliers tried to compensate by you know pushing more ammo to the market so the manufacturers got larger orders so they were putting larger orders in for materials which we which they couldn't get because of covid um and there were i think there's only like three or four places that actually make primers um total like in the world
0: yes yeah, i've heard i want to
1: say so you know trying to do it's just a, a series of bottlenecks um in the, the entire supply chain which is yeah well the supply
0: chain is only as as um secure as its weakest link and that obviously is the weak link there
1: well i'm just right
0: i was just wondering but then again you, you're you're kind of pointing out um you know there may be some in- intrinsic issues with right. that yeah it's that
1: that give and take of it's incredibly dangerous to make in large quantities only a couple of people do it and then yeah you know Trying to balance that out with like, well, how many people actually want to buy ammo? And then suddenly one of those factors change, and so you know everything becomes a mess. Yep.
0: yep. Okay.
3: So if somebody was not, um, was not into three D printing but wanted to get into it, what is some advice you would give a beginner?
1: So the first thing I would do is uh, tell them to go to the guide.controlpu.com Um, Unfortunately, it's not a link you can share on Twitter anymore, Uh, but (laughs) it's where we host our, uh, well, rather, it's where I host my uh, 3D printing, my getting started in 3D printed guide, your 3D printing guide. Uh, It's a guide that the community has sort of come together and written, um, and it just walks people through the first 10 steps in getting a 3D printer, getting it set up, getting started, what materials to start with you know, your basic settings, and then um, sort of how to get everything calibrated and dialed in. So your prints are both, you know, consistent and accurate. Um, And then from there, you know, you can print whatever you want, anything that you want to, uh, to to squirt out of plastic. So phone stands or guns or, or prosthetics, or, you know, the sky's the limit models. Yeah, do you do you um you get into printing anything else besides firearms or? Um, I do. I like I most of the stuff on my desk is 3D printed. Um, so I'll I'll do like brackets for random stuff on my desk or trays if I need them for you know like SD cards that I'm losing all the time. Um, you know, and I'll I'll dabble in a lot of contracts. So I'll I'll have people reach out to me. Hey, can you print uh? you know, a fake finger and they'll send me a file or a model and I'll print it or they'll say, Hey, can you design me this thing? And I'll, you know, unfortunately I can't talk about that because it's all NDA, but uh, yeah. So, so stuff like that. um, I'm, I'm happy to get into, get into, Uh, unfortunately though, just as a hobby or as a, yeah, as a hobby, like firearms just take up so much of my time on the printers. Um, that's generally what I focus on. Uh, so yeah. Do you, um,
3: <clears throat> so we at the, uh, Agora, the podcast, we are big fans of micro fabrication in general and, mm-hmm. um, sort of, you know, garage manufacturing. And we see that as a very useful tool for, uh, human liberation for a lot of re- reasons, you know, for, um, you know personal right financial reasons you know just being able to take production into your own hands do you do you recognize the importance of micro fabrication overall or is this mostly um or do, do you think the most important thing here is
1: just the, the the ability to print firearms no i think it's the ability to make whatever you want or need so uh for me that that is primarily firearms but most of that is directed because of you know control pew and the audience that i have and because that's really where my passion is um like i really enjoy making printing you know uh constructing firearms so you know if uh but there are like uh i forget who it is out of darts on youtube does nerf guns it's all 3d prints is nerf guns um you know, there's a whole like prop community on YouTube that are they print you know cosplay stuff and props. There's a prosthetics community out there that where they print you know arms and legs and feet and hands, and that's you know so all of these things on their own are like infinitely are are, are infinitely fantastic. Just my passion for for 3D printing falls more in the firearm space. Um, there's a friend of mine who who did the the the. Uh, The Don't Tell On Me patches, um, he 3D prints cookie cutters uh, for for people. So if they want, like, custom cookie cutters, that's something that he just squirts out on his 3D printer. So, I mean, I think it's the ability to make whatever you want to uh, really lets you sort of do whatever you want to make. Or do whatever you want to do with it. So I, I don't know that there's... I don't know that i would say there's there's anything that's more important than the other i think it's just that it enables you to make whatever you want
3: yeah the prosthetics thing is very interesting to me to be able to sort of circumvent the medical cartel if necessary Mm -hmm. and, and possibly print something for yourself cheaper um that's that's very interesting to me i'd like to check into that more
1: yeah, I wanna I, I'm so they have like at universities they're playing with like bioprinters where they're printing like cell structures and and like tissue. And so I, I wanna I wanna see that get open source where you can take, you know, you, you can you can scrape off some of your skin into this dish and then you know, like, grow this cell mass of stuff and then feed that into your 3D printer and print out a new sheet of skin for, like, the burn on your arm or something that you got. Like, that would be cool as hell to see that come to, like, the garage level. I don't know that it's going to. In fact, I'm fairly sure it won't because, you know, uh, pharmaceutical companies like that. But if it did, that would be amazing. And then to see that go to, like, you know, some African country where they can't get skin grafts at all because that's a really kind of a, a you know, a, a sort of first world medical thing, you know, that would be a cool development uh, in 3d printing.
3: And it seems yeah. like it'd be reasonably inexpensive. You know, somebody with a little bit of money could go to Africa and start, you know, changing people's lives very easily Right. by doing skin grafts and that kind of thing. But Penguin, you had something.
0: Well, yeah. So you you mentioned that that's amazing technology. I have not heard about actual like biological matter being produced, like actual tissues and stuff. But we have talked to people about um, different uh, chemicals and different kind of uh, pharmaceuticals and manufacturing those. Um, And of course, in that space, it's like day one, you propose this kind of tech and you have. You have everybody kind of breathing down your neck because that 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 tech immediately has the potential to disrupt. Basically, that's the word to disrupt so many different industries and institutions and you know society as a whole. Three um, D printing, you know, I mean, you can three D print just about anything, and there's a billion things and firearms are just one of them, but it is something that kind of you know was proposed pretty early on by the kind of people that are likely to think that way so how early into the 3d printing world were firearms kind of um proposed as something that they people wanted to get kind of get uh get into 3d printing and did that basically more or less bring on what kind of heat has that brought on basically the 3d printing community and the technology as a whole over time in this in a sense of like scrutiny and potential regulation
1: so I want to say before um, Cody did did his sixty minutes bit, there was a larger group of, well, not a large group. Like okay, we'll we'll say it's a small group of people on the internet who were exploring three D printing and guns. Um, after that, it sort of picked up a little bit of interest. It wasn't really until 2018, 2019, there was a mass of people paying attention to what was going on in 3D printing space. Uh, 2018, 2019 was when you saw the fr- a first uh, good AR-15 lower come out, um, and that was dimensionally accurate that actually functioned properly. Um, 20, uh, 2018, 2019 was when you saw the first Glock frames come out. Um, I'm trying to think of the first early early editions that came out. Um, yeah, there, there were a multitude of pistols, uh, pistol frames for that could be completed, um, with, you know, actual gun parts, um, along with, and I think really the only, the rifle was the air 15. Um, there was a FOSCAD group that was just generating all kinds of stuff, um, to varying levels of function, but it was all like people were interested and in actively contributing, contributing. Um, then you saw 2018, 2019, uh, more files, more people really it was it was being discussed a lot more and i think you know a lot of people just started started um paying attention uh, more as they had you know more time to 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 look at stuff um because you know this was uh the early uh early uh early days of businesses closing because of covid um so people were home they were just browsing around and there's hey that's neat um and uh I think twenty. So through the whole thing, um, you know, politicians. I don't think they've said they've spoken more about it, but more and more, like, will, yeah. So Cody did his piece uh, on the Liberator. Uh, that was when politicians started paying attention and and panicking about three D printed guns, and I don't think they've panicked any less over the course of the last ten years over it. Um, I think their their level of panic is about the same. Um, anything they can do to get a vote, sort of a thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm so. Hey, it's sick. I wanted
3: to tell you guys about Cosy Graphics. She is a uh, uh, she's local to me. She's in our Freedom Cell. Uh, very like minded individual. Uh, she is starting a, a graphics company. Uh, so this spot is for all your you entrepreneurs out there. For your graphics and advertising needs called Cozy Graphics. She, she provides creative custom solutions like logo design, brochures and flyers, leave behind cards, business cards, menus, banners, and posters. Vehicle magnets booklets and catalogs to schedule a free consultation call Cosima at Area code 865-544-8623 and I can vouch for this person. I know them personally um, very very cool and decent human being and Again, she's very like-minded and um, so check her out. Um, she's just starting out and I um, Get center your business if you need it. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be really hard for them to kind of regulate 3D printing in general and just say, "Oh, you can't produce so and so" because right. it's, it's kind of like the standard. It's the standard firearms laws apply in the U.S. Now, obviously, any, anywhere else, you run right into a whole slew of um, of difficulties. Excuse me. And um, but, and, and I think that's also kind of what you mentioned. Is it it's interesting that you posited that COVID probably might have had. an impact on people kind of having a lot more free time and everything. But I think in addition, um, when I first started using Twitter a lot and I started seeing you guys up there posting your uh, videos of like functional 3D printed guns or 3D three pr- D printed Glock frames and a whole bunch of like customized stuff. And uh, just to see the technology, like t- to be entirely frank, like early on in the early iterations of technology and, that, and that's just the nature of like being on the cutting edge and the bleeding edge of technology, um, it, they, they really kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. And then and there's a certain point where they, where uh, at least in the like you mentioned in the U.S., when when functional Glock frames and and AR-15 lowers and then eventually the FGC nine um, design, which has been popping up all over the world when that stuff came out and people started to see like <coughs> um, people started three printing magazines and stuff like that and. Yep. Um, that people were mag dumping and you know mag dumping on camera and and showing these things are fully functional, not jamming, not blowing up in people's hands or blowing <laughs> apart or any of that stuff. And uh, you know reloads and an old another mag and there's no you know issue with it being a, good for one shot or whatever. I think that's when people actually started paying attention because otherwise before it was kind of a novelty. Now, now if you're in the space, obviously the, it, it takes a lot of very early like iterative. You know, designs to kind of get the technology to where it needs to be, but like just seeing seeing those videos, I think did a lot for a lot of people. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, we, now we are see we are seeing the FGC nine all over the place, if if I am not mistaken.
1: Yeah, it was it was really fortuitous timing, I think, that that everything sort of happened the way it did with the developments in the space and with sort of world events, um, and with people generally being more and more annoyed with their governments over. Over the silly crap that they keep asking us for or, or you know, forcing us to do. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's a fortuitous timing. It's uh, it's unfortunate timing, but you know, fortuitous nonetheless. Um, and yeah, it's it's popped up. The FGC has popped up in several places in Europe, and the Netherlands, and and Ireland, and uh, we think we've seen one example in France. Um, and these are just the ones that like people send us or you know, make the news. Um, And, you know, that this is even omitting like Myanmar, where it's, where it's in mass production, and actively being used uh, to supplement their, their defense force. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of wild to see how far things have gone. uh, So quickly.
3: I actually didn't realize that so many of these frames and lowers had started popping up so recently. When, when did Cody Wilson start making rounds in like libertarian circles?
1: Uh, I like don't know. I,
3: don't,
1: uh, the, I think the liberator was 2013 and okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was,
3: I, I was from, you know, I was paying attention to Cody Wilson when he was sort of making the rounds and doing interviews, not necessarily with 60 minutes, but on in libertarian circles, mm-hmm. um, um, what do you think um kind of go back uh kind of going on off of what penguin just said what what is it that the politicians could possibly do is there anything like um where where are the weak points in this ecosystem that they could possibly crack down i mean Um, supply of the printers
1: themselves i guess right well they have they have a very small bag of tricks politicians do and when they can't regulate the sale of a thing they try and just say well that's illegal and then make up something that may or may not classify it as illegal and then you have to sue them and you may or may not win when you sue them because you know the courts work for the government so eh, it it's 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 really kind of you know, once they once they determine they can't regulate the sale or trade, uh, then it's really kind of any anybody's guess how they'll go go about it. Um, and you know, they, I don't think there's anything that they could do functionally that wouldn't irreparably harm some actual industry in the U.S. Right? So if they say, "Well, now you can't have 3D printers anymore," will the entire science, technology, engineering basically all of all of the people who are very very pro like stem pro science technology engineering and math uh, groups are going to lose their minds and you know fortunately for us a lot of these people are very very liberal uh, in those communities and they are they're, they're very very politically active and very very willing to you know defend the technology of 3d printing and so you know they may not like what we do with it but, um they're willing to to call out their you know government's overreach uh, on the on the matter despite that so i i think it's a fortunate sort of um alignment of um how do i say it? the enemy of my enemy i guess kind of a situation
3: yeah there's nothing that they can really do without ruining a whole lot of people's lives that had nothing to do with it which right. may not that hasn't stopped them every time you know they're okay with ruining lots of people's lives but That's I think true. you're right that, that you would get a lot of backlash from sort of uh you know quote respectable industries and communities like you, you know if somebody if some company or med- the medical industry is like helping poor you know um disabled kids by 3d printing this or that thing and then the government cracks down on that you're going to get a lot of outrage right the guns is almost secondary it doesn't even matter at that point because um the optics are sort of on the side of 3d printing at that point um so i think you're right there they might that would be the only avenue that they could possibly try and i don't even know even if they were able to get it through how enforceable that really is because like you said, you were building 3D printers. Right. But, so it's like, how, I mean, at what point can we 3D pin, print 3D printers, and then this is, this conversation is over, you know what I mean?
1: Right, well, it's it's the same. And we have this question in the firearm space all the time with when does a firearm become a firearm? You know what I mean? Where, where they have they have receivers that are, that, are, that are firearms, but they don't resemble a gun. They don't fire bullets. They're just a chunk of metal. And then you have like 80% receivers that aren't quite a firearm yet. And then you have 0% receivers, which are just a block of metal. So it could technically become anything. So at what point does that get, you know, serialized and tracked as a firearm? Um, you know, and that's that's a question that gets politics all, all messy at the moment. And so we have the same thing with 3D printers. Like, when does that chunk of aluminum uh, extrusion, you know, become a 3D printer? And then when are you going to, you know, when does the government get involved in tracking who has 3D printers? like, oh, we're going to make this license now. Okay, well, good luck. You know, especially with the open source nature of the origin of 3D printers, it's never, never a, re- a reasonable thing that's going to happen, I don't think.
3: No, I don't think so. Either. How hard is it to build a 3D printer? Like,
1: uh, it's, would... it's, it's pretty, uh, uh, I would say if you have a basic understanding of what a 3D printer is, you can build it, um, you know, the, the circuit boards are all out there. They're all published already in the public domain. So um, you know, and they're all have,
3: used for lots of different things. Right. All these and, parts. Yeah.
1: Okay. Right. And you can you can order them off Amazon or AliExpress or wherever you want to order them from. You know, all the hardware, the physical like frame of the thing is all, you know, just your your basic sort of open source aluminum extrusion. Um Which you can order from any number of vendors uh, in any number of countries, you know, regular bolts and nuts, regular motors, regular wire. So,
3: man, yeah, there's no way. I mean, they would have to crack down so hard and it still wouldn't even be effective. Right. There's no way. I don't see any way.
1: I mean, people people have built these, uh, they've built 3D printers out of like wood. was it plywood that they're, you know, they're cutting and then bolting together to make the general shape and then drawer slides for the movement. So, you know, it's not beautiful. Right. (laughs) I mean, for, for $2 in materials, you could have a 3d printer, you know, it might not be great, but you know, you can build a better one from that. You can 3d print a 3d printer on your 3d printer. So
0: yeah I think that's the point um but uh, just back to another technical question um, I mentioned earlier magazines um, mm-hmm. theirs are notoriously difficult to uh, manufacture in general to make like reliably uh feeding magazines and I've, I've seen that people have actually uh, 3d printed them um, magazines used like a magazine body and a yep. uh, spring but they are notoriously finicky so what's the um how, how's that part going because yeah, obviously you don't ha- you can't really do much with uh, re- you know repeating firearms without having a uh, good mag
1: right so it's uh, it's a it's a matter of sort of how we're approaching reverse engineering so the current set is is we're going to take what we've got so we're going to take a glock right and we're going to make the frame for the glock which is the serialized part and so we we make the frame for the glock and then we pr- we we squirt that out and we slap all the other parts of the glock into it and we make a glock yay uh, so we did the same thing with the mag, which was you know we looked at the mag uh, that exists. Okay, we have we want to make this mag, and so we we take the hard parts and design them and squirt them out of plastic, and you stick it in your Glock and it works. Okay, cool. Now the next step is you take this thing that you know that or you you it's how do I put it? We we've re we've we reverse engineered what exists to find out what's important. So now we're going to take what's important. And apply it to something that doesn't exist. So now we're the next step is then to make a mag that is 3D printable for 3D printing exclusively or specifically. So it's it's we're gonna take all the, the weak points of the the this this Glock mag that we designed right, and we're going to sort of massage that uh, those weak points into something 3D printable that's designed to be 3D printed um, that works well. So it won't be Glock compatible anymore, but it'll be as reliable as a, a Glock mag or or you know similar. And then we would design a gun to take that magazine. So now it's it's we're taking what exists and we're making it 3D printable. And we're learning in that process, you know, where the failures are in 3D printing or where, where the failure points are in that application. And then we're going to the next step is then to Make a new design, a completely new design that keeps all the the strengths of that model, um, and 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 none of the faults that come from three D printing. I guess.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. So, that, yeah, that's, that, that makes it's, sense. You you would have to do that, go to that process. Right. It, it seemed it seemed kind of vague at the end, but I hope that comes. No. 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 It- it makes sense. Yeah, you couldn't just go ahead and start kind of making designs and have them being effective without having to go through a whole bunch of trial and error. But kind of being that you're on the cutting edge of technology, the fact that you went the route, I think you have some really smart, you know, engineering minds that are obviously in, in the space kind of figuring these things out. I mean, you guys are very talented. And um, that's, that's really interesting, though, how how you actually go about uh, doing that and why you kind of went the route that you did. And, um, You know the different different technologies that you demonstrated before you came up with something like the FGC nine. So you got the FGC nine. I don't know a ton about it, but it's like a little submachine gun type little thing, like a yeah. It's a a nine millimeter
1: um, blow blow blowback sort of pistol caliber carbine. Um, It's semi automatic only at the moment. There are people working on uh, fully automatic or, or making it into a machine gun, but at the moment, semi auto only. Okay, um, yeah, and uh, are, you, are you working
0: on more um, different kinds of designs along that line to kind of on the same level as the FGC9 that's kind of optimized for uh, 3D printing um, specifically? Yeah,'re
1: we're, we're discussing right now because JStark passed, we might leave the Mark II as sort of the last FGC9 model. Um, but we are working on other models in the same vein of, you know, 100% DIyable. Uh, in your garage or small Manhattan apartment, um, uh, you know, type designs, um, in, and we're working on, you know, a variety of calibers. So all the pistol calibers, we're trying to get it into rifle calibers, but that's going to be a whole nother design, uh, that's got a whole, whole batch of other design constraints to it. So, um, so yeah, there, there, there's a lot going on sort of behind the curtain, and uh I don't really know what's gonna bear fruit next it's it's sort of it's, it's exciting because there's a lot of people uh, working on this stuff and everybody's got a little bit different idea of how to do it and so the beauty of it is everyone's trying their idea and no one's stopping anyone from trying their idea like there's no there's no board saying hey that's a bad idea don't do that you know so, it's really great just to see everyone, well, I think we should do this, and then they go try it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was a really bad idea, or they come back, yeah, that was a really great idea. So it's uh, I don't know. It's really interesting to watch.
3: Hey, LSEC here. I wanted to tell you about com. They're a seed company, uh, friends of the show. Uh, this is where I get my seeds from uh, here at the homestead. Um, they've got a lot a big wide variety of seeds um, they got free shipping on orders over uh, 20 bucks it's fast shipping um, if you place an order it'll be shipped next business day a lot of cool packaging and you can pay with uh, crypto right on the site um, and they're, they're agorists and uh, they also believe in the, the importance of producing your own food um, and, um, they have a wide variety of seeds that you won't necessarily find in a lot of other places, a lot of cool varieties, interesting, um, seeds. And they can, if there's something that you're looking for, they can probably get it for you too. So, um, check out agoristacres.com. And if you use promo code, uh, agora 10, uh, you'll save yourself 10%. Thanks guys. Where do you see, um, well, about um, deterrence dispersed, how do you guys raise funds? Just to, if you don't mind asking, at the moment,
1: we don't, um, not at all. Okay, yeah. So basically, uh, I I imagine
3: the stuff's not cheap, you know,
1: right? So it's developers fund the stuff out of pocket. Um, if you go to donate.controlpew.com, you can send Bitcoin directly to developers. Uh, I run the Control Pew shop. Um, so I, I actually incorporated uh and you know pay my taxes, unfortunately, um as control pew. So uh control pew.com has a shop, we run a store uh, to sell merch and whatever. Um, most of that money, those funds go into community infrastructure. So, you know, if there's a uh or well the server for one that runs the chat and everything else, um, you know, and uh <clears throat> You know, we'll we'll pitch in for ammo funds or, or or other projects that come up. Um, if people need funding for this or that, um, they can they can get it there. So, if you want to contribute, um, shop.controlp.com or donate.controlp.com um, are are the two probably best places to go. So you don't have to
3: answer this if you don't want, and I can edit this out, but is there a reason why, you know what I mean? Like, is there a legality issue in like, um, actually, I mean, obviously you don't want to be selling firearms or anything like that, but I, I would imagine there's ways that could, um, one could raise funds to make it sort of self-sustaining rather than relying on donations. Is there a, or do you not want the heat that comes with, you know, sort of, um, raising money or selling, you know, files or, 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 or 3d printing for sale or that kind of thing. Right.
1: Well, selling files would sort of defeat the purpose. We're trying to oh, get right. this stuff out there for free. Right. Um, so that it's really just our best interest to not sell them. Um, and to just continue giving that free. Um, as far as, um, well, I, I guess fundraising for the community, that would mean there would have to be like, we would someone would have to incorporate deterrence dispense and then you just get sued. So you spend all that time and money and energy just getting sued like, you know, Defcad does. Mm-hmm. So there is really no point, um, you know, in doing that, uh, you know, we could sell a membership or something else, but all even that would, de- that would defeat the purpose of, you know, of, of what it is that we're doing, which is trying to distribute this information as far as possible. Um,
3: well, right. Yeah. I, I the files so, was a bad example, but right. you know, you could do some custom things for, you know, sort of a value added for, you know, preferred customers just to keep the funds going so you can keep pushing out.
1: Uh, yeah. And, and we've, we've discussed that with uh, a couple of companies have come forward um, and they've asked to do, you know, their logo on a Glock. And so, you know, for a, for a fee, you know, we'll, 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 you know i i will sit down or i will sit down or someone else will sit down and they'll they'll stamp the logo on there and it's not a not a big deal and they'll get the files and you know that's it that's all she wrote so it's uh you know we these aren't like published services but they are there and they can be had if if anyone wants them the problem is it's like kind of a it almost becomes comes a kind of a why bother advertising this thing because it's not really like it wouldn't bring in that much money in the end you know more,
3: and po- possibly more trouble than it's worth
1: right but. and and again like if we if we incorporated it it would just get we would just get sued forever so you know and then we'd spend all the money on lawyers anyway and none of it would go to development anyway so what was the point in the end so, so yeah so really really
3: be, would be rising and you'd be stressed all the fucking time and right
1: so really, it just comes down to their shop.controlpu.com, um and people can support it that way. Uh, a bunch of developers have subscribed stars or Patreons, which is kind of cool. Uh, and then, you know, donate.controlpu.com. Uh We host a Bitcoin donation portal. So if you want to do that, then
3: that's also so really your, helpful. Even your funding is very, very distributed, which is, that's awesome
1: yep we're working on more cryptos but uh it's a matter of uh of being in the business of maintaining the wallet or being the business of like developing files you know right 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 we get asked about monero all the time and it's just (laughs) like oh another wallet i have to i have to deal with no right more stuff i gotta remember more codes
3: you know more keywords i gotta write down so what um switching gears a little bit um what do you see coming forward in in terms of pro- progress or improvements in uh, the materials? Uh, um, so better filaments, you know, uh, better polymers, that kind of thing.
1: Well, I think this is something that comes up as everyone wants a strong filament that's easy to work with. Um, the problem is making something stronger makes it like just ha- has a linear sort of increase to how difficult it is to work with. Um, so, like, you know, your nylon filaments, they're really strong, but they're also notoriously hard to work with. They're notoriously hard to get the layers to bond together properly. So, in the end, even though the filament is strong, you have a very weak print um, because you weren't printing it correctly or, or a variety of things. So, I think material-wise, I mean, we're going to continue having people working to master specific materials and then publish guides about them um, I know there on my site. There's a section for guides where we have uh, uh, guides and tutorials where we have you know this is how you print with ASA or PETG or ABS or something. So if you wanna if you want to print with one of those more durable materials, go for it. Um, but the getting started guide will walk you through PLA for the most part and getting you set up PLA plus, um, and that's really like PLA plus. The PLA pros uh, is another name for it is really where we found the best mix of, of durability and consistency and strength in your finished product, um, as well as being easy to work with. So I think we're going to get better materials. They're going to be harder to work with. Um, and that's, that's, I guess just, uh, you know, the trade off of, of, uh, of 3d printing. Um, the, <laughs> You know, the the stronger your material is, the harder it's going to be to deal with. So I don't know. I I feel like I I don't know if someone's gonna have like a magic bullet later, uh some some magic tech technique to here's how you print this really strong filament really well. But uh yeah, I I, I can't really say. I I think I think we're gonna be in that PLA plus, PLA Pro Sort of is your sweet spot area for a while. I guess until we find a magic bullet.
3: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there, there seems to be improvements in materials like almost at an exponential growth. Not for, not speaking specifically for 3D printing, mm-hmm. but just, just in general, things are, you know, getting lighter, stronger, you know, more durable and that kind of thing. So I would think it's only a matter of time before we have something... You know, um, filaments that are even stronger that are easy to work with. You know, some new compound or right um, um, to to create you know stronger, but it also solves you know these problems with bonding issues or inconsistencies or right that kind of thing. Um, so what would be your suggestion um, for the best bang for the buck for uh, a beginner? To, to, for buying a, a 3D printer, um, the Ender Pro 3 or, or five or, um, yeah. do you have a suggestion. Right,
1: right now, um, it's really kind of a toss-up between the Ender 3 Pro and the Ender 5 Pro. Um, if you if you're on a tight budget, get the 3 Pro. If you have a little bit of money, more money to spend, if you have like 500 bucks, get the get the Ender 5 Pro. Um, I think the 5 Pro right now is 300 bucks on Amazon, 350.
3: Yeah, I don't think people realize just how cheap these things are. Everybody thinks that they're like thousands of dollars, but they're really a, they're like a couple hundred dollars.
1: Right. And it's it's at, We're we're kind of at that point where you'd be foolish not to have one. <laughs> um right. Right. But yeah, so the Ender 5 is like 350 bucks, 350 400 bucks. It's not a lot of money. Um it's a little more than the Ender 3 Pro but because of the design of the printer it's a more stable printer so you get more consistency over your print um in the guide uh guide.controlp.com, we cover a couple upgrades that you should do when you get it um just like bed supports and uh a strain relief cable and uh, an upgraded hot end so uh there there are things you can do to make it even better but out of the box the ender 5 is a is a better printer but it's not it's not quite twice as good as an ender 3 so you're still good with an ender 3 pro um and an ender yeah. 3
3: pro is what two 200 bucks maybe, maybe Uh,
1: more, maybe. they're about a little more maybe. 230
3: um it was my understanding, and I'm 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 I could be wrong, but I thought the Ender Five had a couple of those upgrades that everybody did to the um, Ender Three, like the the hot tip and the 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 quieter fans and all that kind of stuff was came stock with the Ender Five. Or am I incorrect on that?
1: Uh, yeah, with the Ender Five, they're still they're basically the same ones that are on the Ender Three Pros. Okay. Um, the upgrade from actually, I'm thinking about it. The only thing that's different between the Ender 5 Pro and the Ender 3 Pro is the design of the printer. So the frame of the printer is different. Okay. Um, So, yeah, for the 5 Pro, you still need to upgrade your bed, your hot end, uh, the supports. Um, Yeah.
3: Fans, yeah. So you might as well get the Ender 3 and just make it how you you spend the extra extra money on doing the upgrades. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's really up to you. Like I said, the, uh, the, the difference, the five is better because of the frame design. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, uh, the, the bed only moves down in the Z axis. So your print, if you do like tall stuff, especially with like the FGC nine, like the receiver, the, the, uh, it, the upper receiver on there is kind of tall when you print it on the bed. So if you don't calibrate your ender three properly, um, we've seen the bed start to wobble back and forth as the, as it moves. So that caused a, a problem with the consistency of your print. Um, but it's still, it's still an entirely workable thing. It's not a, you know, if you calibrate your machine properly, if you, if you get the, uh, the, the print bed set up properly, um, they won't be an issue. Awesome. Good info. Good info. Um, Penguin, do you have anything?
3: I got one more thing, but do you have anything to, to ask?
0: Uh, no, not at all.
3: Okay, what's the um, Pew? What's the coolest thing you've seen printed besides guns?
1: Like hmm.
3: Wild and crazy stuff.
1: Uh, I think local motors printed a car, like an actual car, which was pretty dope. So I went to we, me, my
3: sister, my lady, and the kiddos went to. Uh, science and tech museum, or something Mm -hmm. like that, and they had it. They had an entire 3D printed car sitting inside this place. Um, it was an electric, it was electric motors. Yep. Um, and it looked cool as hell. I'm not gonna lie, it looked, it kind of looked like a Corvette. Um, but apparently, for whatever reason, this one could only go 40 miles an hour, and I would assume that's more to do with the electric motors than, um the actual anything to do with the the body or printing anything but that that was cool and I do you know anything about that like how how hard would that be really for someone to do in their garage like how far off are we from like just your average person 3D printing their own car in their garage
1: I mean I could tell you with like uh, an Ender 3 it would take like a month to print um, at least probably six months just to print the car (laughs) uh okay yeah it, it's we're just you're pushing a lot of plastic through a very thin thin uh thin surface um but i mean there are people printing kayaks on ender 3s so um you know it could work uh 3d printing a car i mean it's it's not like we couldn't do it now um in fact we absolutely could do it now uh it's just a matter of I guess structural durability. Um, so your subframe would still have to be metal. The thing that you sit on would still have to be metal um, just to support right. the weight of a person. I don't know that plastic could do that uh, in a, cause it's about distribution of the weight. So if you're like in a kayak um, you're sitting on a piece of plastic, but that weight is distributed across the entire surface of the water that you're on. Whereas a car you're just on four wheels so, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's nothing preventing us from doing it except the time to actually do it. Um, the motors, you, you can order the motors. Uh, you can order the battery packs um, for a car. You can order, you know, your dash, your controls, your uh, everything. Yeah, everything that goes into this could be ordered and, and built pretty easily. Um,
3: yeah. Do you know anything
1: about the legality of that? Uh, I think there was a, well, no, so there's a rule with a plane. If you build it, you can fly it generally without a license, like an ultralight. Um, with a car, you would have to get it like emissions tested. Um, but as long as you had the basic stuff like turn signals, headlights, uh, windshield, uh, I mean, how cool would
3: that be if that caught on? And and when I say like how far off are we from this happening? I mean more so the, like feasibly, right? Or, you know, an ease of use for the average person to where, they could catch on. Sort of,
1: I guess if if I army. were, if I were looking at three D printing a car, I'd want like a, a a basically a two meter by two meter by two meter printer. So something is massive, and it would and which do exist. Um, they're like probably five or $6,000 or more expensive because 3d printing Uh, you're looking at a huge amount of filament costs. So you're yeah. So, so it's, it's not going to be, it's not economical yet, but if we get there, when, when we get there, it's going to be fantastic to just squirt a car out. Yeah. Yeah
3: so i know there is certain composites now this doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with 3d printing but there are certain composites that are if not as strong as metal but pretty darn close Mm -hmm. but like you were saying the harder this is not something that could be applied to 3d printing at least not yet um how I guess this is back to the materials question is <clears throat> how long before we're we're printing these like sort of hard composites to where the strength is <laughs> um right. is to where we could we could print cars and not worry about necessarily the the, the supports and the struts and the frame being metal and it could take a serious hit right um or even even talking about like um, armor plates and and that kind of thing. Geez, um, that's
1: yeah. Uh, yeah we that, off. I think so. I I mean, it's 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 bound to be closer than I imagine. But you know, especially to get to like the consumer level, because people people think about three D printing as a very new thing. Three D printing has been around since the eighties, and it's taken thirty years to get it get basic three D printing to a point where it's at the consumer level. So, you know, that, that's relatively fast for uh, a manufacturing technology. I mean, you think about lathes and stuff, those are still several thousand dollars. We're talking 3D printers are a couple hundred bucks, you know, and they've only been around for 20 years, whereas lathes have been around for hundreds of years. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's going to happen eventually. Uh, I wouldn't even hazard a guess as to when, um, you know, just just given the way... Uh, The way technology advances, I have no idea. Um, I I wouldn't even guess.
3: I know. It it seems like one of those things that's, you know, forever away in the future. Right. Until it's just not like these things just grow, you know, they progress exponentially to the point where it's all of a sudden it's here, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I agree with you. It seems really far away, but it might be way sooner than we think, you know. All it takes is a couple chemical chemists in a lab that figure out how to make something super cheap that, you know, bonds together and all, you know, two years later we're printing with it, you know? Right. Um, so a- anything else on the horizon that, um, you're, you're excited about or, um, interested in?
1: I mean, I'm, 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 I'm excited about the possibilities, man. There, there's, there's so much going on. So many, so many different ideas, uh, with you know what we should be developing next um that people are just running with it and and they're going a little mad it's kind of awesome um i like i said there's uh you know we have um i don't even know where to start there's uh you know fgc9 type models in the pipe there's you know rifle calibers in the pipe there's locking actions in the pipe you know, and, and so just whatever comes out next, like, I can't even, I don't want to tease it because some stuff may never come out, but, uh, you know, there's, there's so much there. There's a lot to get excited about. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: the future is full of possibilities, you know? Mm-hmm. So we had this fellow on and you might find this interesting. Um, uh, Doctor Michael Lawer from the Four Thieves Vinegar Collective. Oh yeah, yeah. You might be familiar. Mm-hmm. He's, and, he's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a he's a cool guy. We we had a good conversation, and he's got what they they call the micro lab. Yep. So it's basically plans to set a, up a lab, um, that to create chemical compounds for medicine in your own house. And this this is right up our alley. But most of the um, parts for this um micro lab are 3D printed. Mm-hmm. Um do you have does, is that of any interest to you? Like does that um does that perk your interest to, um have you do you have any experience with that maybe or um, know anybody I don't, that
1: does? No. I don't have any real experience with his, uh, his micro lab. I have seen it. It is kind of amazingly interesting. Um, we've spoken about uh, the, the primer and powder business, uh, he and I. So he, he's one of the folks we have looking at that and sort of exploring what can be done. But uh, yeah, so I, I am, I am uh, super interested to see what comes of, of, uh, of his, his lab and how people uh, people use that. Well, just, you know, it, I know a lot
3: of people would be interested to see a vid- video from control pew to, you know, I just 3D printed this micro lab to make penicillin in your house or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. Just suggestion, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll have to look at it again. Um I sent you a link on your Twitter, but Okay. Um but yeah, that that was uh fascinating to me as well. I, any pos- um anything that like distributes production or gives people more control over aspects of their lives, whether it's you know, defense or medicine or food or any of these things is mm-hmm. just always makes me smile. You know what I mean? It's uh it's always fascinating and um I I really enjoy that kind of thing. Um but uh if any anybody listening to this or you are, are interested in and in sort of trying that out and, and showing how it's done. I would I would like to to see that. I mean, I've seen his him operate his, but I want to see how easy it is to actually 3D, you know, to start from right. scratch, 3D print it, and, and then put it all together and how well all
0: that works, you know. Yeah, we should point out that an uh, important design philosophy, I think, that goes back to, um, I think, the rep rep, which I know very, very little about. But I do believe that, like, an important design philosophy is that you should be, that a lot of these technologies are, meant to be reproducible, so that they can kind of uh, produce produce new uh, variants of them and stuff, I think. So is, is that the case?
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the, the major philosophies when you look at how, at designing for, for, for people. Um, or designing things to be used by people, I guess, even is you have to make it easy for them to, to them to use so like you know like uh like lawfer's uh, idea here the the reactor right he's designing this for you to build it at home so he's got to make he, he has to make it easier for you to get and you know by using 3d printing you don't have to have parts custom machine you can just squirt them out of plastic and you know and, and yeah that, that's what i meant yeah are, are remarkably easy to get so I, I think it, it I think it, it all sort of like plays into that idea of let's make everything as easy as we can for the end users so they just pick up and and run with and then maybe you know one day that end user one one of those hundred end users will say hey I have this great idea and then they'll make something and they'll understand it enough to say like okay I need to make this and great for the end user so they're gonna make it really easy yeah. to get to. But it doesn't have it also doesn't
0: have the potential to spread in the same way if you can't just like take a 3D printer like the models that you mentioned, they're not terribly expensive and um, bust these things out. I mean, you can make one, you can make a dozen, but to to be able to actually do that instead of having to come up with specialized parts or or, uh, set up a manufacturing or however else you bring products products to market you know traditionally but to be able to to go through the 3d pretty space that's really crucial to i think the kind of um you know distribution model that this technology like laufers bioreactors and stuff would uh is trying to do yeah so what
3: what are are people looking at in terms of cost in uh so rather than buying a Glock 19 they're printing one what are they um, saving in terms of like what is the cost uh, uh, comparison in that um, do you think roughly
1: I mean for, for the Glock 19 you're really not saving a lot of money um, there was a time when you can buy well actually no you couldn't because Polymer 80 existed so all of the Glock hardware was also working for those so you could already build those at home Um, same with most AR-15s, you're really not saving a lot of money on the assembly. Um, when you talk about things like the, uh, the set me, the Amico Grande, which is our, our set me project, right? So the set me kits are a hundred dollars. The barrel is like $150. So, and then a couple other miscellaneous parts, you're basically at, you know, $300 for a 308 battle rifle that if you bought on the market would cost you $1,500.
3: So you're saving quite a bit.
1: Right. It depends. Yeah. So another example would be like the low point, which is our printable high point frame. Um, a high point parts gonna cost you 120 bucks these days. <laughs> Whereas uh, the high point itself will cost you 160 bucks. So, you know, a little bit of saving a little bit of money there, but uh, not a lot, not really. So, yeah, it it really depends. Um you know, the the counter the the other question there is then like the FGC nine all in with the 3D printer is about five hundred bucks. So right. you know, versus where what you know, if you're if you're in a country where you actually need an FGC nine, what other gun is on the market for you? Uh it's gonna be, you know, you can buy one, but they're gonna be like twelve thousand dollars. So you know, it it becomes a. It's all about what you're picking and why you're picking it, and then it becomes a question of economics and and supply from there. So like, well, so yeah.
3: like, uh, so there's people that are going to 3D print. There's a number of reasons people are going to 3D print. One, because they can't get that firearm anywhere else, like you're talking about in Europe. Or two, just out of sheer principle, just to say, you know, I can do this. It's a fun hobby. I'm I like making things with my own hands. But when it I think it really is going to hit sort of mass consciousness is when the price on these materials drops down to where you really can save yourself a decent amount of money Mm -hmm. by just printing them yourself and that you're going to get a whole nother um, swath of people flooding into the ecosystem just because, you know, they they can save a decent amount of money. They might also like the idea of being able to make it themselves, too. But, you know, saving money right. is also a, a nice added bonus, too. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's going to be a motivator for a lot of people is what I mean. You know,
1: yeah, um, this was uh, this was early, like 2018 was one of the things I told my wife was uh, I'm going to 3D print gun parts because it's cheaper than buying them. And so it's going to save me money. And uh, this really turned out to be one of those wife stories it's where it really didn't save me any money in the long run. <laughs> so, uh, you probably spent more than you would have otherwise. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> so much. So many parts kits.
3: anyway. Well, I mean, so the, you know, they're saving money on parts, but back to like other manufacturing, like if you need a prosthetic leg and your insurance won't cover it or whatever the heck, and you gotta, you gotta spend a bunch of money through this, you know, uh, medical cartel, mm-hmm. and you can print one for you know relatively you know you might end up being cheaper just because you've got all that added cost of like intellectual property and mm-hmm. um, inflated uh, profits you know due to the medical cartel and that kind of thing to where I could see you a lot of people saving a lot of money um, on sort of medical supplies and other things like that. Yeah, to where um, I think that could be very. Um, very enticing to a lot of people. Um, that that they don't don't have you know that maybe don't have a ton of money and needed need need to save it, so it's cheaper to buy a 3D printer and print your own leg or arm or whatever the heck. Somebody the other day was asking
1: about 3D printing a wheelchair.
3: Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could probably do that. You might you might want the axle.
1: Right, and like I. I probably wouldn't 3D print the wheelchair, but all the bracketing to hold all the 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 standard metal pipe together, you probably 3D print that. Right,
3: and then you're just talking piping and axle right. and a couple of wheels and a couple
1: yeah. a couple of roller skate bearings and. Right.
3: Yeah, see that that kind of stuff's cool, especially if you can save people money from getting screwed over by these, um, these industries. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Peg, when you got anything else, Bud?
0: Uh, no. Sorry, I just accidentally muted there. Um, no, um, I've I've learned a tremendous amount uh, during this podcast, and I really um, well. My questions about uh, how three D printing ha- actually works obviously was answered, but uh, just a ton more about uh, the different kind of input materials and what what you can m- make out of them, and um, what's actually been done and like i said uh you guys really went on the map when you were you know uh releasing videos of yourself mag dumping actual functional firearms and i can only imagine at the rate of your technology that the the stuff that you're working on now is um is you know uh, on a whole other level i can't wait to see what you come out with to to um kind of not top the fgc9 but to like complement the fgc9 and um I i think you said you're coming out with another another iteration of that
1: uh, not, not of that. I think we're going to let the FGC nine sort of stay where it is. That was the last one. Um, okay. Yeah. And then we'll, we, we've got other designs, uh, sort of in other iterations that are very similar, but I think, I think just as far as like the name goes, I think we're going to leave it where it is, um, just for, for start. Cause he was sort of a, a huge, uh, figure in the community with, uh, with his contributions. So
0: yeah well I was really blown away by what what you said about a like a three oh eight rifle i think then you mentioned the, the the kind of the price difference if if you could uh three d print that and it, just to be able to three d print a caliber like yeah. that, um you know, a, a powerful a higher power uh rifle caliber like that i think that's really impressive and that's a game changer because um you know it's a whole other you know, level of uh, uh firearm
1: yeah the technology is only going to move forward and we're just going to go with it. So <laughs> sky's a little bit, of hope. All right. Well, um, where just list all the places people
0: can find you, um, interact with you, uh, buy from you and donate.
1: Right on. So uh, donate uh, at donate.controlp.com. Uh, Bitcoin only, but it goes straight to the developers. So if you're, if you're a fan of a project or if you want to support something they're working on, uh, send Bitcoin to them there. Um, shop.controlp.com also is uh, where you can support uh, me and the broader community um, all the proceeds there go to all of that sort of a general fund for projects that need help or ammunition or you know whatever else um, ammo is expensive <laughs> um, and then I am at Control pew everywhere on social media except on Instagram because they like to delete me so I'm allegedly Control pew there and uh for everything else, all of the general news and updates, go to uh controlpew.com um, is my website. Sign up for my newsletter. Um, that's how I'll, I'll be able to keep in touch with you because I actually own that website. So um, yeah. And then uh the guide.controlp.com. If you're interested in getting started in 3D printing, you wanna take your first steps, um, we'll we'll walk you through it um, and get you up and running.
3: Awesome, man. This has been a, a great conversation. It was real informative. And um, next time you've got something you know new or interesting you, you got coming out, we'll come back on and we'll have you on.
1: For sure. Appreciate it.
3: All yeah. right. Thanks, brother.
0: Thanks, Vince. All right. Bye take up. care, guys. Take care, guys. See you, bud.